At the age of 14, Letitia Francis entered into a relationship with a man twice her age, looking for love and affirmation. Shortly after their wedding, things turned for the worse, and in the midst of an altercation, he stabbed her. Despite all the unbelievable things she's been through, she expresses gratitude for every experience as they all brought her closer to her purpose. Hi, I'm Leilani Langdon, the host of What's Your Story, a place where we journey through the lives of others in order to inspire you, the listener, to know, own, and share your story. So make sure to lean in as you join us on today's journey. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of What's Your Story Live. We are on episode three, and it has been an incredible few weeks. And I'm so excited that you are joining us tonight. Now, tonight's story is... definitely one that is going to encourage you, challenge you. It's going to have your jaw on the floor, but then it's also going to move you and it's going to allow you to see the power of somebody being able to heal their story so that they can now thrive and live on purpose. And so I am just so excited, but I didn't do uh, my intro, but if this is your first time, uh, What's Your Story is a space where we journey along the stories of others so that you, the listener, and the person watching can be inspired and encouraged and challenged to want to know, own, and share your own story. And it's a safe space. It's It's a place where people are encouraged and where they're inspired to move and where they support the person sharing their story. And we do that in the comments. So If you are tuning in, you know what to do. Go ahead and jump in and say hi. Let me know you're here. I'm going to be with you in the comments. But if this is your first time, tell me where you're watching from. I'd love to say hi to you. I'd love to connect and to know where you are tuning in from. Now, I'm not going to do a lot of... I'm not going to do a did you know, and I'm not going to, we're just, just going to jump right into the story. Now today I'm so excited and privileged to get a chance to sit with Letitia Francis and have her share her story with you all. So I'm going to go ahead and bring her on Letitia. Hello. 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 It's so good to have you on today. Um, so let's just jump right in. Tell us a little bit about yourself and we'll go from there. Sure. I am a business mindset coach focused on helping new black coaches sign consistent clients. And I do that through my proprietary method, the VAR system, which really has proven to be successful and really helps my clients, first of all, get their mind right so they can implement the strategy that is required for success. Love it. Love it. So tell me, um, let's just jump right in. So tell me, what's your story? My story. I am originally from Bermuda. Hey. And I am <laughs> living in England now. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so originally from Bermuda. Um, at the age of seven, my parents, well, my mom was getting remarried and I remember questioning why my parents were no longer together. And I was told mm. by a family member that my birth was the reason for my parents' divorce. No. So that literally set me up on a slam slide downwards. Oh um, my and goodness. I, I spent years looking for love, looking for attention, Mm -hmm. looking for affection because both of my parents remarried and both of their spouses made it known they didn't really want anything to do with me. So I was kind of 
left in between two family units, kind of finding my way, which resulted in me being in a relationship with a man twice my age at the age of 14. Mm. Um, And what's funny is Bermuda is a very small place. So your neighbors know more about you than you do. And very quickly, (laughs) my mom found out about him. Oh, wow. So she did a background check and she had come to me and she was like, you know, this guy is a dangerous man and you wow. need to stay away from him. And I was like, whatever, you know, I don't have the of best course. relationship with her. And this relationship was really something that created an out for me in the mm. environment that I was living in. And I, I wouldn't say it was bad, but her husband <laughs> is an idiot <laughs> mm. and that's the nicest way that I can put I it yeah. um and he made my distance between my mom feel like a canyon mm. <laughs> you know what I mean right so the little bit of distance that there was was even greater as a result of this relationship absolutely mm. so when I was 15 he choked me for the first time. And I remember saying to myself, like, this is not life. You know, this is not Mm. what a relationship should look like. I packed up my stuff, whatever I had in his house, I packed it up into a trash bag and I left. But now I don't have an out. I'm living, I'm back with my mom. I I don't have this escape. And I like, if I had to describe myself during that time, I was definitely a volcano. You could not say anything to me without <sighs> me absolutely erupting. And wow. I was shipped between families mm. until my father told him, if it if it's true, because I don't mm. believe it is now, sure. but he told me that his wife didn't want to raise any more children. So oh, wow. I had to go back to my mom and that wasn't the best environment. Like I say, at my mother's husband, there was an, a suicide attempt with me um, when I was 15 and he literally mocked me trying to kill myself no yeah and I remember going to the hospital my mom was like so angry like why would you kill yourself and my response was why did you sit there and watch me do it so the anger that I had after the suicide attempt was tenfold and eventually um I ended up getting into a physical fight with my mom and Mm. that resulted essentially in me receiving a restraining order (laughs) and being removed from the house with nowhere to go. You? So, yeah, removed. Um, I had to go. I got a letter from my mom's lawyer saying that I had to go. So (laughs) I hit my mama. (laughs) I'm not going to any of my family members because, you know, the child right. is always wrong. Yes, you know. unfortunately, sure. And I had no other choice but to reach out to this man that I had broken up with. And he <sighs> quickly took me back, you know, like, let me save you from your problems. But let me also remind you that your parents don't love you enough to make yeah. sure that you have a roof over your head and you owe me. 
Mm. So I'm back in this man's house. I'm really stuck between a rock and a hard place. I'm not early enough to get an apartment for myself. So what do I do? Like, yeah. Am I homeless or do I stay here and deal with the psychological abuse and the physical abuse that came with the agreement of living with him? Living when I was 19, I married him. And oh the abuse goodness. that I endured was a lot worse. Um, he basically made a statement one day that I was his property. He could do whatever he liked with me. Oh, during that time, I was working in law enforcement. And when I would tell people that I was, you know, abused and going through a whole lot, the automatic response is, well, why didn't you utilize the resources that were right in front of you? But I said earlier, in Bermuda, your neighbors know more about your business than you do. Yeah. And the worst thing for me was having to go to work every day, knowing that my co-workers knew about my business. Yes. Mm. I watched police officers gossip about people, make jokes about what people were going through. So there was no way that I trusted the system to keep my business quiet, you know? Right. So years went on and I endured a lot but there was a significant day for me I remember coming home from work and I could not find myself in I, I like mm. I was so busy at work that you don't have time to check your phone right yes and did I leave the phone at work did I leave it at home I don't know where it was and I remember mm. one of my friends calling my landline and asking me for advice. She was in an abusive relationship with a heroin addict. She didn't know what to do. And I was that girl that gave all the best advice. Like, (laughs) I'm going to tell you what you need to do to get your life together. But I, I never listened to myself, right? Sure. This night, I remember picking up a book by Ian LaVenzette called Until Today and Mm -hmm. randomly opening a page and reading this passage about how we struggle with interpersonal relationships because sometimes we're trying to keep someone in our lives that's not meant to be there for a lifetime. They're Mm -hmm. meant to be there for a reason or a season. And as I'm reading this to my friend to offer her encouragement mercy i'm feeling like a sinner in church okay (laughs) (laughs) it's like a mirror right Right, it's like like, the first time you're seeing yourself in this yes and i just knew i'm like the reason why this man and i cannot get along is because we're not meant to be together like Mm. we're absolutely not meant to be together And I said that was significant because that night my husband came home, he had myself in and he had seen some text messages between me and another man. And he was very angry. He was very drunk. And there was something about the way that he spoke to me that night that I knew that whatever was going to happen next was going to be very bad. Wow. So I ran to the landline and I called my mother and I was like, you got to come get me right now. 
And I just want to note, like, we didn't have the best relationship thing. You know, like, my relationship with my mom was, like, touching goo for years, many, many years. And he ripped the landline out of the wall and told me that the only way that I was going to leave there tonight was in a body bag. (gasps) He barricaded me in a room. And I remember literally fighting for my life. Um, he had a knife and it was an auto body experience. There's no other way to explain it. Right. It was like watching a movie, watching someone else fight. And there was a moment when I remember seeing the knife come towards me, but in all of the chaos, I never realized that I had been stabbed. Wow. We we're living with someone at the time and that person came home in all of that chaos and broke into the barricaded room and I was able to run out and I fell onto the couch my husband ran after me and proceeded to try to stab me and it's gonna seem like I'm making like light of this but the Mm -hmm. only way that I can describe it was like I was in a matrix like it was slow motion like that I was able to dodge being stabbed as he straddled me on the couch and his friend was so concerned about someone calling the police that he kicked me out of the house he kicked me out you're kidding no so I'm standing outside oh my god in the rain wondering if my mom actually listened to me and was on her way because like I don't have a phone (laughs) I don't even have clothes in this minute like where am I going in the middle of the night luckily my mom did listen and she pulled up in the car and when he realized my husband realized that someone's someone was outside to get me he started throwing my stuff out the window so my mom's like chaotic because she realizes that something's happened because I'm bleeding. I don't even realize in this moment that I have been stabbed. I process like heat from the blood running down Mm. my body, but I was so... You couldn't register. Well, your adrenaline was like... Yeah. I couldn't register it. I didn't feel any pain. So he's throwing my stuff out the window and I'm trying to pack everything up into my mom's car. Mm-hmm. One of the things that he used to do was uh, buy me Louis Vuitton bags. Mm. So at early 20s, like, that's, I'm right, that's nice. $20 <laughs> worth of Louis Vuitton, right? Right, right? That was like exciting to me at that age, right? Of course. And he threw the bag that I had kept my bags in out the window. So when I saw that, I'm like, forget the clothes. Let me get them Louis Vuitton because there's nothing else. <laughs> Can we sell that? <laughs> That's a roof over my head, okay? Right. <laughs> so he realizes that he threw, he threw the Louis Vuittons out the window and he comes up with the knife and starts unpacking the car trying to find and at this moment my mom was like screaming get in the car get in the car so I left and my mom wanted me to go to the hospital I was like no 
that's a no-go because I knew if I went to the hospital, the police would be called, it would be a whole lot of unnecessary for me. Yeah, so I didn't want to go through that route. So unfortunate. So I go to my mom's house and I'm not there for longer than 90 minutes. And she asks me, so what are you going to (laughs) do? Because you can't stay here. So I've been stalled. I've managed to end the bleeding. At this point, there was no way that I could continue the relationship. Like, this is nothing that I could hide. My mom has just seen this man literally try to kill me. Kill you, yeah. You know what I mean? So I knew my relationship was over. Wow. I didn't have, like... Even if I wanted to stay, I couldn't. Like, there was no way that my mom or my family um, would have allowed that. But here I am, stabbed, and essentially homeless. homeless. So I called around, and I called a, um, a women's resource center who told me to go to the nearest police station, and someone would escort me to their shelter. Okay. Which I did. I spent two months in a homeless shelter um, trying to get my life together, get back on track. Um, Sure. Still trying to hide what I had been through. And I think I was a little naive because, you know, this is the first time that I've ever been on my own, had my own responsibilities, had to do anything. And I actually didn't even know who I was. Like, my identity to this point had been tied to my interpersonal relationship. So if I describe mm-hmm. myself to someone, I would say, oh, I'm so-and-so's daughter. Oh, I'm so-and-so's mm-hmm. wife. But who was Letitia? Who mm-hmm. was I? And that, not knowing who I was, actually really scared me. I didn't know what to do with that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I drank, I drank and drank mm. and drank a lot. And I'm not talking about wine right. after a long day. I was drinking bottles of scotch. Like my coworkers used to laugh at me because I was always drunk. Like most people would go to work with a hangover. No, I was still fully lit from the night wow. before. My hangover used to kick in at three o'clock. And that was perfect timing because I had a break and I can go and drink again. Like I literally used to carry around a flask with me. And after about a year of that, like constantly drinking, not knowing how I get home, like. That's so scary. Yeah. I realized like, what is this life? I didn't actually like being drunk. How did that realization come to you? It just. One night, I think it was just like, why am I doing this? Because uh, I hate being drunk. Yeah, I hate yeah. having a hangover. I hate the taste of scotch. Like, why <laughs> am I doing this? <laughs> right. <laughs> and Such a powerful in that, question. Yeah. I In that moment, I realized I didn't have an answer to that. And I wanted to change what my Mm. life looked like Mm. because it had just become this cycle of the same thing every day. Numbing the pain, numbing the pain, you know, just right. Avoidance. Avoidance. 
self-avoidance more than anything because mm. you just don't want to be alone with your thoughts, right? Mm-hmm. So I made the decision that I wanted to go to university. I packed up and I left Bermuda. Oh, I went to Georgia State University to study risk management and insurance. Okay. And life was amazing. I got multiple scholarships. I was actually okay. making more money as a student <laughs> than I was as a full-time government employee. Oh my goodness. So like life was good, good and I yeah. until I meet this guy. Mm. And <laughs> I was naive. I, I must admit, you know, I have been in a very long time relationship. Sure. I meet this guy that I have to say I was hesitant about dating him in the first place. Coming from Bermuda, a very small place, if I meet someone, I can quickly do my research. I, within three text messages, I know his <laughs> whole life story. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. <laughs> And I couldn't do that. Yeah, bigger place. I couldn't do that. I couldn't. And but I was something that I was very nervous about because I was aware that people could literally live double lives. So I meet this guy who's a DJ. He tells me that, you know, he spends most of his nights out in the club and it's a party atmosphere. So he snorts coke here and there and blah blah blah. But I'm naive. I'm I'm literally naive. I'm Lonely, I fall head over heels for this guy within a couple of months. I'm living with him. And when I move in with him, I realize, okay, this is not just a couple of nights because you're out in the club trying to stay awake. Like you literally have a full blown coke problem. And he was aware of the money that I had. He was a long-term addict, so he knew how to manipulate me because I was Oof. so naive. Sure, sure. I went from very comfortable. Like, I was traveling. Like, in school, I only went to school Tuesday through Thursday. That's how my schedule, schedule was set works. up. The whole time I was there. So, <laughs> Thursday night, what Start of your weekend. Yeah. Yes. Okay? Like, I was a partier. Oh, and... I meet this guy and then all of a sudden that changes because I feel bad for his situation. I don't understand addiction. So after three years of in, in this relationship with wow. this man, I've run out of money. I have to go back home and work so that I can actually have money for my tuition. <laughs> back home, Bermuda? Back home in Bermuda. So wow. I went home for a couple of months to work, to get some money. And I decided, you know what, I'm just going to pop up and surprise them. I'm paying for the apartment. I'm paying for all of the bills and probably, and still supporting his drug habit while I'm still in Bermuda. Oh my gosh. And I surprise him and meet his wife <gasps> in my apartment that I'm paying for. <laughs> oh my goodness. That was the beginning of my last semester at Georgia State. And I made the decision, okay, I'm going to pack up my life and move back to Bermuda, which I did. I got an amazing job as a catastrophe analyst in commercial insurance. And life was going well. I think my self-awareness at that time had become heightened because I realized I keep finding myself in some crazy situations. situations. Yeah. 
And I remember having a conversation with one of my friends and I was like, you know what? I'm just at a place where I just really want a good relationship. So she was like, girl, manifest that. Write down your list. Put and it I out did. there. <laughs> yeah. I got really serious about it. Like I have 45 things on my list. Hey. One of them being that he had to be 6'8", right? <laughs> <laughs> Going for the ideal girl. We go Listen, for the ideal. I'm 5'10. 6'8 would have been really? absolutely perfect. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a couple of weeks later, I meet this guy. And when I say it was like a whirlwind, I felt like I was in a Disney movie. Like there no. was nothing <sighs> about this guy that had me on edge. Like I was in Nervous. a good place in my life. And it was like a whirlwind. Within six weeks, we were living together. Life was good. And the first year of our relationship was so amazing. Like, I felt like, okay, finally, this is what mm. a good relationship looks like, you know? And then <laughs> one of his family members died. Mm. And he had casually mentioned that he had used crack cocaine at one point in time. No. Oh my goodness. And I remember after the death of his family member, I was like, let's have a talk about that crack cocaine, right? Let's talk yeah, about the crack. Sure. And immediately after that, I remember have noticing a change in his behavior. He became very aggressive. He stopped coming mm-hmm. home. And I didn't have to ask. I knew what was happening. Yeah. And I said to him, listen. I can't do this again. What I went through the last time was Mm. so bad. Like, I can't do this. So it's either you get it together or I'm out. And I meant it. Good for you asserting your boundaries and setting. (laughs) (laughs) In that moment. (laughs) It sounded so good, right? (laughs) Oh, my goodness. And the thing is, now I'm not naive because I know what addiction looks like. I'm not, I know what's happening here. But the one thing about giving an addict an ultimatum is that they just hide what they're doing, right? And that's what he did. He hid Mm -hmm. and he was bringing meat home. Like he was a chef. Um, He used to cater. So having all this meat in the house wasn't something that would have raised a flag to me. But one day... I had gone to his job and picked up a bag for him and I was surrounded by security. They were asking me a whole lot of questions about the meat that was in the bag. So I was just like, here, take the bag. I don't know what's going on. Yeah. He ended up getting arrested. He ended up losing his job. And I thought, okay, that's the end of it. Now you got to realize you don't have a job now. You really got to get your life together. Okay? Yeah. Couple of weeks later, I got a call from reception at my job telling me that the police were there to see me. So I'm like, see me? What? Right. Why? Uh huh. I was arrested on my job for stealing stolen property, for receiving stolen property. So I was taken to jail and I had to call the bag. The bag that you were picking up for him. Mm -hmm. I got arrested for it. So I'm now in jail having to call my mom. Oh. And I'm like, listen, I need you to come sort this out. I need a lawyer. You know, I haven't done anything. Sure. I'm confident that this is not going to result in anything. Right. Um, so I'm thinking she's going to send a lawyer to the jail. No, no, no. She came right on down there, 
God only tell her behind the glass and she said one sentence to me. Why do you love everyone else more than you love yourself? Woo! Mm. 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 I got goosebumps. I couldn't respond. I felt like I had just been in the rain with my Tyson and I got knocked out like two seconds in. Like, what do you say to that? So now I'm left having to go back to my cell and sit there and wait for things to work itself out, but sit with that, right? Just sit in that. Mm. And I realized, okay, this this wasn't me, but... The reason why I'm here is because of the decisions that I made. Mm. All of the decisions that I've made over the last 10 years now has mm. resulted in me being arrested on my job and being in jail. It is what it is, and I have to take ownership for that. So when I left jail, because I wasn't charged, it was essentially a fishing expedition, right? And right. I understand the process, but I don't have respect for it. You know what I mean? Because sure, like sure. you didn't have to arrest me on my job. Right. You could have asked <laughs> questions. You could have. There's right. so many things you could have done before right. that. <laughs> so I reached out to a coach that I had come in contact with when I was mm. trying to get my boyfriend some help. Right. Okay. And she saw me and she had said to me, sis, you are broken. And I, like, I don't wow. say that lightly. But I see you are broken and I want to help you. And I was like, girl, I'm good. (laughs) I don't need your help. That's hard to to receive. Yeah, that's hard to receive. But she was the first person I called. And I worked with her for five months. And working with her allowed me to see that, you know what? I've survived. I've survived a lot. Yeah. But I was in survival mode. Right. Mm. I got stuck and I got comfortable being in survival mode. Not realize I had put my life into a holding pattern. The reason why my relationships were all coming up crazy is because I hadn't worked on myself. I hadn't taken any time to work on myself. I had resigned myself to being a victim. I had resigned myself to the fact that life was happening to me. So essentially for 10 years, I was giving away my power. I, I couldn't do anything about this, right? Yes. Then I realized that because, listen, I'm a stubborn girl. <laughs> one thing <laughs> I'm not going to do after years of abuse is give away my power intentionally, right? Yes. So as soon as she said that to me, I was like, okay, we're changing this. I'm taking ownership. Look, I've been through a lot. And a lot of things, a lot of the reasons why I was in those positions is because I didn't love me enough to make better decisions. Mm. But I'm going to work on that. And I'm going to start loving me enough to make better decisions for myself. Mm. I love that. So as a result of that coaching relationship, I left Bermuda and I moved to England. I've been here nine years. I dragged my boyfriend out here with me and he has also been in recovery for nine years. Amazing. We married, we have two beautiful ah. children together, and life is amazing. Oh and my you know, gosh. I spent years, nine years working on myself, working on my narratives, Ooh. working on the way that I think, working on the way that I allow my emotions to drive me, mm. working on the narratives that I've held so comfortably that have kept me stuck, right? Yes. And once I got to a place where I saw how 
how much value I brought to the table. I start really auditing everything in my life, including my yeah. job. Mm. I I came to England. I worked very hard. And in two short years, I was a manager in a top 10 insurance syndicate at Lloyd's wow. of London. And for those who don't know, Lloyd's of London is the oldest insurance institution in the world. So for me, wow. as a foreign black woman, in, in 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 an institution that is run by white English men. Sure. This was the pinnacle of my career. Wow. Right? You made it. You have made it. I made it. it. <laughs> but even in my even in that, I realized that people didn't respect me, right? Mm. I, I'm, I'm amongst men, white men who had a problem with the fact that I had the audacity to exercise the power that came with my position. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I used yeah, to yeah. walk into meetings and be called threatening and scary and my manager give disclaimers because I don't put up with nobody's nonsense. You talk out of the left <laughs> side of your mouth, I'm going to put you in your place. And I don't have no problem with that at all. Mm. But they had a problem with the fact that here I am. Sure. And I'm like I said, 5'10", I used to have knee-length dreads. I, I was even called predator at one point in time because no. of my dreads, right? But here I am, after spending nine years working on my worth and, and getting established with who I am and what I bring to the table. Mercy, finally loving yourself. Finally loving all Woo. of me. Yes. The self-contained hurricane that I am. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. But here I am, literally getting paid to be disrespected. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I no. got tired of it. Yeah, good I for you. That. So I have spent the last two years building my coaching business. Yeah. Last March, I walked away from a 14-year career to wow. go full-time in coaching and just stand in my own power. Yes. You know, the one thing that I've learned along the way is when I was growing up, I always heard, you know, you're too much. I got too much attitude. You're too this, you're too that. Like yes. I was never accepted. Like everybody mm. wanted to push me into a box so that they were comfortable, right? Yes. Their own box, yep. I have a big personality. I'm a nonconformist. Like I'm a rage against the machine person. Yeah. And what I've done is take the things that have intimidated people about me that I've hid away to make other people feel comfortable. I have taken those things, that too much yes. attitude, that big mouth, that, yes. you know, that sassiness, yes. and I've used it in a way that is not making me money. Hey! You know, big mouth <laughs> is big, so I can stand up and say what I'm going to say. This sassiness is her because I will not be silenced. I and, you know, know, I just feel like every part of my story, I'm so grateful for because it's allowed mm. me to be here, right here today in this moment, showing yes. up and serving the women that really need me. Wow. <laughs> Letitia. Listen, I first of all, I just want to celebrate you because you are absolutely amazing. Your resilience and your grit is incredible. And um, it is, you know, it's these these stories. Your story is a prime example of what someone's life can be when 
you take the story you've been given and you own it and you learn to love and you learn to heal those parts of you, but then use them to help lead you into purpose, into meaning, right? Into mm-hmm. now use, using that to now grow you and grow other people. I mean, I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm speechless to be honest because, <laughs> you know, someone else, someone's going to hear this and go, um, how is she, you know, how is she thriving? And I love that you said you pointed something out because I think so many people, um, don't realize how, how they've gotten stuck in that, in that survival mode, right? They're living, they're, they're living every day. They're walking every day, but there's something missing, right? Or they're living just as, like you said, as a victim in survival and not thriving. And we were created to thrive. And so I wanted to ask you, you know, what, um, What drew you to be able to come to a place where you could share your story and in a way that brings power and inspiration and not, um, you know, throw you into, you know, a dark corner, (laughs) which, which a lot of people are afraid, right? They're afraid to share their story because they're afraid that if they unbox that, right? That they're going to be overwhelmed. So can you tell me a little bit about how you're able to do that? I remember someone saying to me that nothing about my journey is ever lowest. Like there's a reason for everything. Yeah. And I sat back because there used to be a time where I literally used to say, why me? Like, why am I going through this? Like, why, why, why? But then I realized, why not me? Because mm. I've shown the resilience. I sh- yes. I've shown that I'm too stubborn. Listen, it's not about <laughs> anything else that the fact that I am stubborn. <laughs> I ain't kidding. Yes. And I think I've seen it time and time again that when I have shared my story, it has helped people tremendously. Mm. And there was a time last year, if I'm honest, that a coach told me, it feels like I'm hiding in my business. And I realized that, right? Like maybe I am because I remember when I started my business, there was always this fight. Like, what do I share? Like, do I tell people what I've been through? What if people that know me are shocked and feel some way about it and talk about it and judge me and all of that stuff. But the thing is I went full time last year. I ain't got time to hide. I have <laughs> bills to pay. <laughs> so that motivates I, you to show up. Listen, my, my coach, she challenged me. She said, go out there and share your story. I want you to get on 50 podcasts and just share your story. And she gave me three months to do it. Wow. I told you I'm stubborn. Six <laughs> weeks later. You're determined. <laughs> yes. I'm stubborn. I, I, I'm gonna end it. Like some people, you know, don't use that word. You know, it's it's negative. No, that's that's what keeps my feet going. Yeah, one foot in front yes, of the other. Right. I love it. So six weeks later, I had fifty podcasts done. I had like thirty more scheduled in my oh my, my calendar, goodness. and it's just been you know this has been a journey of healing and and mm. really understanding that actually you know what I'm so grateful that I've been chosen to be on stages and share my story because 
there are so many of us that have gone through the same thing, if not worse, mm. and don't have the courage to share the story. Yes. Yes. So, like I said to you before, you know, there's things about me that people always used to make me feel bad about. Like, yeah. I don't have this voice for no reason. Yeah. And I, I have to show my gratitude for where I am today. And my husband is was in Narcotics Anonymous for years. He still is an active member. But one of the things they say is you, you keep what you have by giving it away. And... Mm. I realize now how powerful that is. So this journey of sharing my story and giving other people hope and inspiration has allowed me to get to a place where the emotions that were attached to my story are no longer there. It's Mm. only about the lessons that I've learned along the way. That's so good. Have you, um, do you find that you're still learning lessons every time you share it? Do you find that things, you know, lessons keep coming out or you keep seeing something from a different perspective you hadn't seen it before? If I'm honest, no. And the reason why I say that is I've refined my story to the point where (laughs) it's on autopilot. So I'm telling the same story. However, I am in the middle of writing a book. And as I dig through those chapters, sometimes it's almost unbelievable Mm. that I'm here telling my story. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. Wow. That is, I mean, that's so powerful. And, you know, um, I think that that journey for you, I I believe that that uh, writing your book journey is going to be um, such a powerful moment for you. And uh, I can't wait. I can't wait for you to launch it and <laughs> to buy my copy and to read it. So I just want to encourage you to continue to do that. And I I, I do want to thank you because you're absolutely, you said something earlier that there are people who are struggling to find the courage to share their story. And um, earlier in season one, episode two, I think it was, one of the guests uh, said something that I just, you know, it's just stuck with me, but she said, there is someone assigned to your voice. There is someone assigned to your story. And Letitia, I really believe that someone's going to hear this. Someone's going to watch this and it's going to give them that courage, right? You are going to be that defining moment for someone else, right? You're going to be that mirror for someone else, just like your friend was, right? Just like your mom was in that moment. She said something that literally shifted your course. It allowed you to pivot and continue, uh, allowed you to continue on a path towards your healing, towards your freedom, towards owning who you are and loving who you are and being able to live a life no longer a survivor, but someone who's thriving. So I am so blessed to have had you on. Um, Yes. Before we jump off, please tell us where we can find you. And um, yeah, let's go from there. Yes. Yeah, so my website is blackrosecoaching.com and my Instagram handle is also blackrosecoaching. Black is spelled B-L-A-Q-U-E. It's my nickname. Like uh, everyone in Marita has a nickname. So here we are. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you said that because I was going to ask you, I was like, is there a significance behind the name? Because you know, names matter. So. <laughs> well, it's, 
it's two prong, right? So yes. obviously including who I am into my into my brand, but black rose is something that is usually a depiction of death, yeah. right? Like most people, you know, why would you want a black rose? But that's significant in my business. Mm-hmm. It's about the death of the narratives and the habits that do not serve us so that we can so step into hey. our power. Yes. Yes. I love, I love that. I love that. So yes, you can find Letitia at Black Rose Coaching on Instagram or blackrosecoaching.com. And um, <laughs> listen, <laughs> I know that if um, you've inspired me today and I know you're con- you'll continue to inspire people. So thank you so much, Letitia. I'm going to send you backstage and uh, okay. we'll chat. Thank, thank you, you so much. Me. Yes, girl. <laughs> All right. I don't know about you, but I do want to say that we are incredible beings. God has really gifted us with the ability to heal and to move past difficulty in ways that are extraordinary. Just to sit here and listen to her story again uh, gives me goosebumps. It moves me and motivates me to look at my own story, to look at my own life, to identify what areas of my life do I still need healing from? Because that is where joy is going to come from. Being able to thrive, move from a place of survival to a place of thriving. And I just want to encourage you tonight to, to be challenged, to look at your own story, to realize, and no matter where you find yourself, to recognize that you can experience growth, you can experience healing, you can experience transformation. She is living proof of this. And I just want to encourage you tonight. And so I want you to continue to follow her and continue to look at her journey as she continues to build and live on purpose. As always, I want to remind you that there's some ways that you can tangibly support what's your story. And uh, there's some free options, which are just sharing. Click the share button. It takes very little effort. But what it does is it allows other people to know that that what's your story live exists, that it's here. The other thing you can do is subscribe to the YouTube channel and it allows people to, again, know that what's your story exists and to be able to be inspired and have the experiences that you've had while you've been watching and participating. And one of the last things that you can do is you can go onto Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and find what's your story live and rate and review the podcast. What it does is it really does help people find it. It helps people know what what has it been like for you to journey with these stories. And so I would love if you could do that for me. The last option is to join our family on Patreon. It is a membership-based subscription for as little as $4.99, $5 a month. You have exclusive access to different things. um, And we get to have an opportunity to just give you exclusive content, merch, bonus episodes. You get a chance to help figure out what happens on the show. You get a part, you play a part in building this show. And so I'm just excited for whatever God has in store. And so as we end tonight, you know what I'm going to (laughs) say. Purpose is found in knowing, owning, and sharing your story. So the question is, are you ready to share yours? Thank you for tuning in. We'll see you for next week's episode. If you were inspired by today's story, make sure to follow, rate, and review this podcast. 
To watch the full live show, head over to Leilani Langdon on YouTube and don't forget to subscribe. And remember, purpose is found in knowing, owning, and sharing your story. So the question is, are you ready to share yours?